Everyone and welcome to Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of agriculture, the show of biscuits. Oh man, if you don't, uh, we're talking about biscuits for a couple minutes, and these Olame biscuits are something to die for. They they should be on everybody's top ten list of things to do before they die, aka the bucket list. But today's guest is Andy Arrington of Olame. He's worked at Fino and worked throughout Houston, outside of College Station. The guy is a brainiac. It was great chatting with him. I learned a lot about okra. We talked about kohlrabi. Where's the last time you heard a podcast talk about kohlrabi and how esoteric and unusable that shit is? Well, here, right here. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my interview with Andy Arrington. <laughs> I mean, I, I make biscuits. They're not quite like the old made biscuits. I don't, I'm not ashamed of Wait, anything, so- <laughs> but they're not like, I mean, honestly, the gravy is kind of the star there. Man, those can, grand biscuits are not so bad. Yeah, well, you know, I would yeah. eat a sandwich with those. You could do worse. For yeah, sure. you could totally do worse. Yeah. <laughs> there are some benefits to the manufacturing giant that is biscuits <laughs> with Pillsbury. They're consistent for yeah, sure. Totally you know, which, consistent. Buttery, fluffy. Yeah. Now, are they as nuanced and as detailed and as guttural as those olamay biscuits oh there's nothing yeah there's no comparison there's no i mean comparison. but it's like but also you can't go to hcp and get you know and get, get olamay yeah. biscuits for three bucks or whatever no, so yeah you got <laughs> you got to go citrus down do you got, yeah. are they are they off menu are they on menu they are off the menu yeah. right so can you so if i was saying i you know it's a, a really desperate wednesday evening for example i want a manhattan i come in and say i'd like a manhattan and i'd like three biscuits please can you do that sometimes sometimes yeah is it about of, uh demand and there's a finite or number of orders made per day gotcha so depends on how busy we are yeah you know and the reason why they don't put them on the menu is because they're so labor intensive i mean oh, every really? oh every night i i watch uh <clears throat> one of the chefs will great do the grading everything's made by hand yeah. all the oh yeah are made by hand like, expect it's like it. anything less and and when i say made by hand i literally mean uh there's not a stand mixer involved Oh, there's not gee, there's I, no, it's all hand mixed it's literally and and... no mechanical advantage the entire way through wow so you get they get a hotel pan they mix all mm-hmm. the dry ingredients and then they grate the butter in this hotel pan and mix it all with like with like a uh, latex gloves on. yeah yeah yeah. and then uh that's all chilled i believe it's chilled overnight i mean it's so much of it is technique yeah i'm sure and then they add in like the wet ingredients the next mm-hmm. day and and then they like and then the technique of how they roll it out and literally while they're cutting them it's a fluffy it looks like a pillow yeah. being with squares being cut out oh, of it. I've man. never seen anything like it. That's insane. Have you ever had a sandwich so made with one of those? Uh, yeah. I, oh, I, I, you yeah. son of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> pimento cheese or the fish dip on Wait, a biscuit. Would you say pimento cheese? Oh, yeah. They make oh, really good pimento no. cheese. Yeah, with fermented really? hot peppers oh. and green onion. Yeah. And then oh, uh, and then one of a, a server, one of the servers and I, we uh, one of our like games, you know, where some people play games during service and it's like we just sort of like think about the dirtiest things we could hack the menu and make like silly thing you know if we had hack the menu menu. (laughs) because there's no modifications allowed on the right on the menu but it's like once you have everything on your table 
you, you know, can do you whatever. Can do, yeah, right? you can like do whatever. You can MacGyver you want. that shit. Exactly. Yeah. And so we think about like the most ridiculous biscuit, you know, sandwich you could make or uh-huh. something. And so, like, <laughs> one time she came in to eat and uh, and actually made one of these ridiculous no things and sent it to me in the bar so that oh I could, my, so you could you <laughs> yeah, could so understand could, how beautiful yeah. it was. I had man, what was it? Uh, a riet? No, no, no. It's a a beef. What's a, so when you wrap a beef, I guess it's a tenderloin, and you wrap it in puff pastry. What yeah, is it the, called? Uh, Wellington. Wellington. <clears throat> so yeah. a slice of Wellington, about a half inch thick, with some some kind of sauce. I don't care what on that biscuit. I'm already ready to. Retire. The Wellington that they did at Valentine's Day was yeah. that was biscuit around it. You know, oh, that, that was, was that was trim. That no was wonder it was so trim. damn yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, it's such an amazing menu. How does it feel working for a winning team? I mean, you guys are you got a James Beard nomination this year. Two, yeah, and, two uh, James Beard yeah, nominations. I mean, like, <laughs> stop, sorry, I, I brag on on my chefs yeah. because they're so talented. I mean, yeah, one of great. them was for the restaurant, one was for Chef Gray, yeah, a Rising Star nomination, and uh, it's really, it's really striking to you know, I've I've worked with food close to this caliber like basically one other time before. It was about mm-hmm. five years ago when I was at Jeffries. I mean, there's oh, a, you're at an, Jeffries? I don't know. Yeah, that. before when it before I was in MMH. Yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and the chef there at the time was a very talented guy. Uh, who, who was? It was the kind of food that I just really get. It's and it's very. It was very similar conceptually, like mm-hmm. in the in the details to right, the way right. Olme's food is very, you know, relatively small portion of something that's extraordinarily flavorful and rich. Yeah, yeah. And so you look at it and you're like, oh, fifteen dollars for this, and then you eat it and you're like, oh, I could not possibly eat more of this because right, you know, right. it was the perfect portion. It was the perfect. Sort of flavor experience, and and honestly, like eating food like that, can, you know, it's not a daily thing. No, because you want well, to you wouldn't so, appreciate it the same. Well, way. also, it's exhausting. Yeah, because I mean, in the difference between the food at Olme and the food at pretty much anywhere else, and I've been really like lucky to to work with some great food mm-hmm. and some talented teams before. The food there is the most thought provoking that I've ever yeah been around. It's, it is very uh, with some <clears throat> cerebral. Yeah, but not but without being esoteric and inaccessible. Right. So there's something, at least in my opinion, when I, when we had that meal for Valentine's Day, there's something that each of those bites brought me back to a piece of personal history. It's familiar and it takes you back. But there are some food where you eat it and you just it, it takes you back to a place you've never been, and sometimes that's hard yeah. to really digest and enjoy. And it's and you don't have a, a base of reference for how to Absolutely. interpret it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And their stuff is very. I mean, they have. This huge collection of old cookbooks. I mean, mm-hmm. everything from like, you know, reprints or maybe they have originals or something yeah. like stuff going back to the 1840s. I mean, like, everything to like, you know, church cookbooks and junior league and you know right, stuff right. like that. And it's like they they research that. I mean, there's the guys yeah. are are every bit as nerdy, scholarly, old school as any bartender who's like the going aviation. to like yeah or the, aviary right right who's yeah, gonna yeah. they're gonna you know bartenders. Uh, you know, of a certain ilk, they'll dig through their, you know, Hugo Insulin or their Jerry Thomas or, right. you know, William Schmidt and look for inspiration. That's exactly what they do. And it's such a, a unique approach that I haven't mm-hmm. seen in the kitchen before. And it doesn't, the the academic and kind of cerebral nature never interferes with how accessible the food is. And that is the key because I think a lot of people, they get tongue-tied or they get brain-tied, right? And they go and they execute a cocktail, they go ex- execute food. It's like, yeah, <clears throat> you know, cool, man. But... I'm not I'm not loving it. Yeah. It's and not making me feel something. It sometimes is difficult to translate those ideas into a menu list. Yeah. Because they've gotten some things that were just like blow you away good. And right. and when you taste it, it's accessible. And when you you know, it's everything is 
new and familiar at the same time, all yeah. the things you want out of exciting cuisine. But it's hard to, to put it on the menu in a way that both makes sense as a reference to the thing that's in, that it's inspired yeah, by. Yeah, like yeah. there was a, a great example was um, they were trying to take the idea of like a low country boil, which mm-hmm. is which is sort of like or we would say a crawfish boil. Oh, okay. Texas okay. Louisiana, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's what a pro- South- the same proteins. Uh, I mean, it's like a seafood and veggies. Yeah, you know, okay. I mean, that's the essence of it. I, I mean, there's more details to right, it. Right, but right. the point is that you're taking like veggies and seafood and maybe mm-hmm. a little sausage or whatever. And you're right. boiling it in a pot. And it's like this thing from South Carolina, Georgia. Gotcha. And so they, they wanted to like, it's very produce forward menu. They wanted to turn that on its head and be like, let's make this and let's feature these, uh, these uh, I think it was sunchokes at the time. There was different vegetables that were mm-hmm. rotated through it. But it's like the word boil Mm-hmm. is the most unappetizing way to describe oh. a you know cooked oh my food and yeah. so but whenever somebody says potato boil you're like what when you say crawfish boil then they're everybody's like, oh, yeah like yeah, yeah let's do yeah, that yeah. you know so then you say you put any other word other than like low country or crawfish yeah. or like shrimp or you know then it's like what why would i order you just think it's gonna be boiled root vegetables is right. literally Bland, what it sounded like flavorless yeah. but it was this really like incredible and creative dish that really featured all these different exciting flavors of spring yeah. and so forth. And so it was a frustration for the chefs. It's like a to... branding uh, identity crisis. <clears throat> yeah, sense, because right? the, the the execution of the dish itself was on point. Yeah. As far as both how it tasted and it's referential to the tradition. Mm-hmm. But make like conveying that excitement to the to the guests is so hard. difficult in print. Right. And even when you get the server on board who's going to be like, you know, this is something you should really try. And so what these guys do, what's really cool, is that sometimes... When they run into those kind of problems, they just start sending it to people for free. No kidding. Because it's like to, we to, believe in this so much. Yeah, to break the to mine the gap in yeah, a sense. Somebody right? who somebody who's out there and like, oh, this person, you know, they look at the order. This like this person seems to be like a a diner. Yeah. You know, yeah. who's like a, an avid diner, just based on how they order. Like let's and it send blows them their some mind, stuff. right? Because they yeah. have probably little to no expectation about it. Exactly. And you send it out, it's like, holy shit, this is intensely amazing. Yeah. I mean, one of the uh, you know, it was a, I started there two months in uh, almost. Mm-hmm. But I guess always behind the bar, right? Six weeks in, yeah, 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 and uh, and so the one of the like now iconic dishes of the restaurant is this um like mushroom appetizer that's like mushrooms and ham uh, foam and it's really uh-huh. terrific. Mm-hmm. But apparently they had the same problem at the beginning, which is like people didn't get it. Yeah, it's like mushroom salad. What is this exactly? You yeah. know, and you get it. It doesn't look like mushrooms. It's a bowl with like just white across the oh, top right, uh-huh. and it's like you have to dig into it to see the to see how it yeah, comes to get, together get all the textures so people would be really confused i mean it's it's dynamite you know yeah. it's like it's something that when you it's the kind of thing when you work in a good restaurant there's some great dishes that you start taking for granted right and uh does that ever make you think <laughs> does that ever make you question diners and be like what are you guys thinking or oh. is it is it always the situation where it's like okay everybody is my mom and everybody deserves an explanation. Yeah. I mean, you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this is no different than wine or cocktails or, right. or anything else. It, it's like... Fernet? Explain that. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like... It, and I always tell people, it's like they either know what it is and they yep. already want one, mm-hmm. or it's like being punched in the mouth by a tree root while smoking a menthol. It's, <laughs> you know, like... There's not any in between. You're either going to love this the first time or hate it forever. Right. You'll probably like it. You know Benson Hedges? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it's like some people want to come in. You know, it's like we have, you know, we try to work on the wine list, make the yeah. wine, complement the food, but it's a very, very delicate food. Sure. So it needs delicate wine. Well, 
most people who go into a, a restaurant expecting a, a fancy experience, they're mm. gonna they just want the wine that they know already, right? Which right. is not usually a delicate wine because no. Americans aren't known for predilection to subtlety. Sure. And uh, we're, we're and, a loudmouth. Yeah, and, t- and Texans least of all, right? Oh my god, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ranked top to bottom, <laughs> Texas being the most loudmouth. Right. Yeah. And so it, you know, it ends up being like. Oh God! I put this Pinot Gris by the glass because it complements all these foods. Mm-hmm. But the Chardonnay is always going to be the best seller. You just because you that. just it resonates. People understand. Yeah, people it. already know. They don't want to. They're already yeah. having to think about a lot of food that's thought provoking. Right. They don't right, necessarily right. want to also think a lot about the beverage choice. And so, like the the challenge with the beverage there is give people options, something that's accessible and familiar. Mm-hmm. Something that, you know. Hopefully, everything will go with the food, sort of. Do, do you like to push? people's palates as a someone who crafts drinks back there it's tough there because there's no bar seating so i right i have right. to it's a game of telephone with the servers sure to the gut to the guest and i i get very little one-on-one interaction with guests yeah, you're kind of hidden back there kind of hidden sometimes if somebody has like a detailed question about whiskey or brandy or whatever you mm. know they'll get sent up to the bar or some people people will seek seek that out on their own yeah and in general um, you know, the servers have so much on their plate as far as like how to sell the food properly and, yeah, yeah. and so forth to try not to like tax them with like, also, you need to like sell this Amaro drink, you know, right. that's totally just a vanity project. And yeah, it being is. honest, those kinds of drinks are not for a restaurant without a bar. Yeah. You know, they're for a place where someone can sit at the bar and come in and like, you know, have some biscuits and a drink mm-hmm. and hang out with the bartender and the bartender can sort of set that drink up for them yeah and how they're supposed to expect it but whenever you're just like gonna sit at a table and your server is great we have such a pro team in the front of house also yeah it's like they're just gonna so you're come not up. you're not you're not trying to be difficult you're not trying to push oh, for no. andy's ideas you're like i understand yeah where my place is in this whole it's thing it's not a yeah i mean certainly it's i want stuff to sell right i mean i want the restaurant to be because everybody uh, rising tide raises all shit. exactly yeah. i want everything to, to be to be profitable and to be a fair shake for mm-hmm. the guest and I want everything to be, you know, quality. Yeah. But you know, hopefully something a little unexpected. And I do try to ground the the drink menu in Southern culture as much yeah. as possible. What what's what do you think is the quint? Well, I guess you could say bourbon, of course. But what is the quintessential spirit for Southern culture? I mean, definitely bourbon is the South's greatest export and uh, the greatest contribution to art form from America. Yeah. And <laughs> but you know, historically, it's brandy. Yeah. And it's fortified wines and it's things like that, but th- that would have all been imported. Yeah, right. And people who, who drank, who had, people with class had mm-hmm. were drinking brandy or wine, and people who couldn't get any better were drinking, you know, corn whiskey. Right. And right. then once that changed and corn whiskey becomes acceptable, then you've got, that's sort of, I think the, the place from which I try to, build. Gotcha. You know, yeah. context. I mean, it's like we do some fun stuff with Geneva. Yeah, we yeah. do some fun, you know, because we try to do a domestic focus as much as possible. Just because so, it's so uh, congruent with the South and all that? Uh, or, or you, you know, just want to, you don't have a lot of space back it's a, there. That's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's also a decision that was sort of made before I came on board the mm-hmm. team. And it, it, while it's frustrating at times, it also does help with focus. Yeah. Because it says, like, here's what we want to do. So, I mean, like, gin, vodka, whiskey for the most part, brandy, yes, that's mm-hmm. all domestic right right we have a little bit of scotch irish and and so forth and, mm-hmm. but it's like otherwise you know liqueurs you can't get quality domestic liqueurs for the most part so we, yeah it's you know, fair here Definitely and there fair. we never sacrifice quality just to do domestic, domestic stuff yeah. which but, would be foolish to do it yeah. especially with how good the food is exactly but so you like, know there's great like anchor 
like yeah. uh you know obviously bourbon we got they got that's the easy part for sure you got bourbons. henry mckenna single barrel if i recall we mm-hmm. did at some point yeah which we is have that. it's great one of killer. our yeah. that's like a house favorite yeah know. it's brilliant stuff how long have you been over at olamay now a little over a year yeah it was a a, over a year. like a year and two or three weeks something like that yeah where did it? Where'd you start? I, so I understand a little bit. I, we we have a mutual friend in in Matt Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, the rambunctious little <clears throat> son of a bitch that <laughs> Matt Daniels is. You won't hear but any it, arguments from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd love to have him in, and I imagine he'll berate me for an hour and ten he's minutes. So grumpy. <laughs> he is, but yeah. he but he's got such a kid face. You know, he's like he looks he looks approachable, and that's how it allows him to deliver such curmudgeon oh god yeah he's he's been an old man for most of the time i've known him which yeah. is uh over 20 years now we no actually, kidding oh yeah we uh you guys grew up together yeah yeah we were in um we're in scouts together no kidding yeah we're we're, we're in houston outside yeah sugarland sugarland yeah. mm-hmm. so you grew up were you is that where your formative years were you'd say in sugar yeah oh i was born and raised um my my dad's from uh rosenberg and so oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay my mom's from your mom? Cleveland. Cleveland, okay. It's on the other side, clear on the other side of Houston. Still. Did they, yeah. Did they meet in Cleveland? Did they meet in Sugarland? What's my, that story there? Uh, let's see. My mom's uh, college roommate mm-hmm. was uh, a high school classmate of my dad's. Okay. And his roommate, or or buddy of his, or something, was right. her. Was her is now they're married. No kidding. And that's how my mom and dad met. Oh, that's killer. And so uh, and so they, my mom was in school at Huntsville. And my dad mm-hmm. was in College Station, so that's pretty pretty close. close yeah. yeah. And so they. Uh, <clears throat> so with my with my family, my like extended family being mm-hmm. from that side of Fort Bend County, like on the sort of more rural. I mean, my my uh, my my grandmother's family celebrated uh, last year. A hundred years farming the same piece of land oh, wow. in Needville. What kind of stuff they farm over there? Um, they do cotton, milo, uh, wow. corn. Some. I mean, oh, I think crazy. it's like yeah, whatever the market right. is will allow at the yeah. time. I mean, it's all like river bottom. I mean, I lived the first twenty six years of my life within seven miles of the Brazos River. I mean, it's no, all yeah, wow, okay, all right there. You know, so so it's funny because I meet people who you know, people that I knew in Sugarland, I mean, mm-hmm. who are my great friends, or people that I've met since then who right. are from that area, and it's like. I don't always feel like I had the same childhood as them because I was so much more oriented towards the rural side of the... Right. Agrarian, is that the word for it? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, if it was a weekend, we were out camping or we were hunting or fishing or we were, you know, just riding four-wheelers and chasing rabbits, hogs or whatever. You know, I mean, it's like even that it was so much less developed even then whenever I was in high school and my dad had gotten some four-wheelers for hunting and we could, in three minutes of driving him from the house, we could be in farmland still, oh, wow. you know okay. so we would go back there and get in all kinds of trouble and yeah stuff like that and you know it's like it, it helps you explore kind of helps you develop your identity and all totally. that too i mean it was something that i cherished you could never get you could never have that experience in that area now it's so yeah. developed and everything but the the you know i sort of think i always had like half a foot in the city and half a foot in the country and i still always feel that pull yeah two directions do you feel like you're pretty connected because i i've known you to be really connected to ag- agriculture, not maybe nationally necessarily, but you plant a lot, you understand the land, you understand produce, you understand plants. I mean, it, that's got that's bound to come from that upbringing, yeah? Uh, my my great-grandfather is uh, a legendary gardener. It's like the best compliment I've ever gotten was like oh, that, wow. that my garden looks as good as his. And wow. he... Uh, how, how does one get rewarded or awarded for being a great gardener? Just the reputation, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just a... 
small town man who you know sort of brought his family through the depression working Mm -hmm. in a sulfur mine as a mechanic and you know farming before that uh yeah until the until literally uh he he and his brother took all of their years uh harvest the fall harvest to market Uh one day and the economy was so bad nobody showed up to buy anything oh man so the entire it all went to the pigs Oh wow! Was it the what what food was it at that time? I believe when I heard the story, they were talking about cabbages and things like that. Yeah, and uh, and so it wasn't like a a staple that it just be kept dry or something like that. And so, you know, it was it was so bad, and and he ended up getting work as a mechanic later. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had a great reputation for being handy. And it was sort of when I heard this story uh, from my grandfather right before he passed away. uh, You know, sort of like the, the. changing fortunes of the family i guess you would say but uh i remember him he was in his 80s whenever i was very little guy yeah. and we would go see him after daycare or whatever and he would he would he had a uh, he had lost his leg to uh like a circulation problem gangrene or something, or something? Uh, or i don't remember the details. it's yeah. basically a circulation problem didn't an keep him down or i imagine diabetes or something yeah. yeah and so yeah he had a this big heavy like uh, primitive prosthetic that mm-hmm. he was dragging through the garden in the mud behind his tiller like just that's how much he was wow. into gardening and my dad had a garden when i was a kid you know like when i was very young we also had like a like sort of family garden on some other family land and, mm-hmm. and my dad had a, a really big garden before we moved when i was 10 to another part of town and so just something that i always thought was like cool you know yeah. people that i looked up to were into it and yeah. so whenever i finally got opportunity to, to give it a spin i had a good friend uh who's a um, professor at A&M who I became good friends with, who's mm-hmm. an avid gardener, and I learned a lot from him as well. So what, was there any, uh, not to to make it too direct, was there ever an end game for it? Because sometimes people have a particular reason that they... I mean, they it kind garden. of is the end game. I mean, it's, it really stems out of me loving to cook. Yeah. And so it's like... Having great, growing your ingredients. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. get any more convenient or fresher than that. For you know? sure, and so yeah. it's just like... You can count on that stuff. You can go to HEB and you can buy a head of cabbage and you can take it home and you can dice up some bacon and mm. garlic and black pepper and you can cook it and it's terrific. Right. But it never will be as... as good. It literally is like something as mundane as cabbage. You pull it out of the backyard, walk inside, rinse it off and start cooking it. Uh-huh. And it's like sweet and it tastes more like cabbage than you ever thought cabbage could taste. You know, it's something yeah. that mundane. Or okra or, t- you know, tomatoes are right. the easy one. Everybody yeah, knows tomatoes, yeah, yeah. you know. It's, but it's like, it's everything is like that. Really. Herbs are like that, yeah. Yeah, herbs are, are like, you know, peas or beans or, you know, squash are tough around here because of the insects. But right. it's like... All of it. It's just like, the, you know, and we're so lucky in this country to have a, such a variety of produce at our fingertips at the grocery store, and most yeah. of us eat the same three things over and over again. And it's anyway. kind of a shame. Yeah, it and, is a shame. So, like, I, I, when I, I did farmhouse delivery for a while, which is just kind of an ag- aggregate local delivery stuff from local farmers, yeah? and kohlrabi kept showing up. And kohlrabi, like, you you don't see that at the store. <clears throat> no. Ever. And it, it somehow was this weird transplant into Austin, and it grows really, really well here. Yeah. Have you had, what, <laughs> I still can't figure out what to do with it, even when I shave it and pickle it. What do you do with it? What do you do yeah, with kohlrabi? Yeah, that's why I don't grow it. I mean, yeah. I grew it a couple times, <laughs> but I tend to grow, you know, like, I experiment. I've been sort of experimenting about four or five years of garden. It's like yeah. on and off. And uh, I've learned what I'll actually have a use for. I've learned what's an efficient use of space. I yeah. learned what's what can tolerate neglect sometimes life what, what is something way. that's really resilient oh gosh i mean texas. the one that's like if you live in texas and you like to garden you need to learn to love okra because it Okra's is like really really 
resilient here. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes it's dependent on, like, variety. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've sort of dug into some more um, esoteric varieties and had good luck with that. But, I mean, okra, the only thing okra wants is for you to, like, not completely stop watering it mm-hmm. and pick it every day. And otherwise, it, it thrives on heat. And that's what what we get for like three months Lots. out of the year, you know? Oh, yeah. So like July, August, September, it's basically the only thing that'll be producing in your garden probably. Okay. You know, and so like, I love it. I it's very pink. alien-like. There's something about okra that's incredibly foreign. Yeah, people love it or hate it. Uh, it tastes good. I love it. Yeah, you know, and people are like, oh, it's slimy or whatever. I, You know, for me, it's like, that's a great way to get richness without adding a lot of fat. Sure. Or whatever, oh yeah, you know? it's very. It, do you have any idea what that viscous substance is kind of made of? Yeah, it's. Uh, I've read about it before. I'm blanking right now, but it's. It's a. Um, I believe it's basically a protein that's in the. Gotcha. You know, so it's a. It's a. Um, a slimy the, ass protein. Yeah, the property of it is um, mucilaginous or something like that is uh-huh. what it's called. And so there's other vegetables that are like that. Anything else? I can't. I, can't, I don't know if I've ever had another um, slimy vegetable I like that. Malabar spinach is oh, supposed okay. to be like that, yeah. and like um, there's some kind of beans that will do that. I've right. heard of. I mean, but it's like you know, it's not a super common quality. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's the one. I love okra. Honestly, right now my garden's still making it, okay. and so I'm kind of like. I'm sick Enough of, I'm of about okra. To, yeah, I love <laughs> okra. I've pickled like 16 pints of it's it. Like, Andy, I got why like, do you have okra cocktails? In the <laughs> yeah, it's not quite to that. Let's start juicing it. Yeah, it's not quite oh, to that point. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't. That'd sound be good. horrible. It'd be horrible. Did uh, you end up going to school for agriculture? No, I was. I studied just history in, in your in your genes, right? Yeah, I just love it. You know, and it's like it literally when I started working in in uh, I was actually working in the oil field. Um, I got laid off. And I like was, was this uh, shortly after high school, after college? No, like uh, well, I was in college. What did yeah. you go to school at A and M? Oh, A&M. agriculture? No, I was studying history. Like oh. I was studying history. I was okay. working part time in the in the oil field, sort of yeah. while I was on break from school. Uh-huh. And I had uh, just as 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 a um, enthusiastic, uh, you know, illegal alcohol consumer. You know, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, like what else is there? And you know, I remember Matt and I actually made. Uh, Rob Royce for the first time out of like some chanchy like Four Seasons cocktail book or something like right. off the like discount <laughs> rack at Barnes and Noble or whatever, yeah. and we had like, oh my god, we're gonna buy this. This scotch is supposed to be so good. We bought like Johnny Walker Black <laughs> and some Martini and Rossi, and so uh-huh. like he had been bartending for a while at like Black Eyed Pea, oh you know, no somewhere kidding. like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we're like Houston uh, staple, man. I yeah. remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's still like. It's still all it's over the great. place. You know, it's like yeah. for reliable chain food. It's sure, like, it's good. Terrific. You know, it's you first time get, I had black-eyed peas and appreciated them. And you can get vegetables there. You know, yeah. that's something yeah, that yeah. I love. And uh, so anyway, he was working there, and we would like piddle around with. And so we made Rob Roy's for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, oh, a cocktail could be more than like a silly shot, or right? Something, yeah, you know, and yeah. and that's really you can like sit and savor it. Exactly, and that was the 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 tipping point for me to like really go head first. And I mean, I don't have like halfway hobbies. It's I you get do all the it. Way, yeah, I get yeah. all the way into something. And then I usually like abandon it after a while or something. Like I used to make bread all the time. I don't make bread all the time. You know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, but, bread is, I mean, I think everybody, that you know, holidays come around like, you know what, we could we could use a bread maker. And then it sits there for three months, you're making bread, and then all of a sudden it just dies. And well, the problem with bread, if you make bread all the time, you have to eat bread all the time. Yeah. And then you and then your pants don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a tr- it's tricky. You got good digestion and <laughs> yeah. all, but yeah. Oh, it's rough. Anyway, so, uh, so I kind of got into like, and then there's like, I've always been my mom's a, a, yeah. a history teacher 
you know, so I always love the, the stories behind things, the why, the how yeah. did it get this but way. But like a world history, American, American history. history is her specialty. Yeah. yeah. But any particular wars you like? <laughs> uh, I mean, the older I get, the less I like war, I guess. But uh, any I mean, particular treaties you like? Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very, my, my area of focus in school was sort of um, the time between the uh, the end of the Civil War uh-huh. through, a, like, right after the end of World War II. Antebellum South, is that what they call it? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah and, or that's, that Antebellum be before the war. Okay. Yeah, okay so, okay. like, Reconstruction through gotcha. about... Carpetbaggers, is that the one of the big yeah, words? Yeah, that's for one it? of the words, it's one of the big words, yeah. yeah. Um, also, the development of the Ku Klux Klan, oddly enough. It's a rude thing to say in austin is so many imported pe- carpetbagger was literally um a republican from the north who, uh-huh. which would be the liberal party at the right, time at the time republican from the north who came in to take advantage of the like political disenfranchisement of the of the locals and no kidding. yeah and, and so, rally like, them for their own political game well basically like ally with with a um with republicans in place in this in the south oh, okay. and ally with the freedmen the new the freed slaves yeah and yeah. sort of like run these like very politically radical administrations in the state government yeah okay and you know legislatures and so because the like anybody who had ever had allegiance to the confederacy was forbidden mm-hmm. from voting or holding public office right 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 right. and so all of these you know democrats had been the party in the south before the civil war yes, and sir. so they which, weren't which is the, the thing that i think it's really worth noting is the the political parties were completely realigned they were, at they that were point. yeah exactly they so, were and was it lincoln who would one of the most noted i guess the, Rep- the republicans claim him right oh, yeah totally but he was an absolute liberal democrat but but because the definition well he was, was a so liberal flipped. republican you yeah, know he was a, or yeah. like a center center left you know yeah, you'd right, say and exactly. so it did really like the sorting of of you know liberals and conservatives into one political party or the other is a yeah. fairly recent phenomenon. It is. It's in, very historically, thing. you could find liberals and conservatives in either party because it was much more regionally based. The yeah. politics were the Democrats had interests in the South, mm-hmm. and then in the, where you found Democrats in the North, they were usually immigrants. Right. Like Irish were strong with Irish. Democrats or something like that in yeah. New York and stuff like you know. So you end up with it's a regional interest issue rather than you know some like ideological dogma right right like, we, like it ends up being now did you it's uh, it's funny i was just reading this before you came in but anonymous today do you saw that as he's rolling his eyes i saw that I, <laughs> I find that to be i'm what do you think it's funny do you think it's divisive i mean what, i mean I think or, is anybody of, surprised i mean i i find it they're not really these people are have condescend to thinking that whatever they say is true and we're not really questioning you it. talk about anonymous anonymous so, yeah yeah because yeah. like because a lot of the things they've done have been sort of darling causes for sure. for a certain you know people of a certain yeah. age and, and of a certain you know inclination bite size little bits of tidbit yeah. yeah yeah and so like i mean i you know i'm not a I'm not a john cornyn fan but i don't i don't think he's a clan member like, <laughs> like that's just far-fetched you know i mean the guy's a I mean, I might, I would go so far as to call him a tool, but like, I don't think he's like, I don't think he's like an overt racist. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the new softer, kinder clan, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't really ring true. Yeah. yeah. I I think I would say like, show me your evidence. Yeah. You know, I'm skeptical. Um, and so like, to me, it didn't cast a shadow over like other more plausible sounding things. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's kind of, it's sensational yellow journalism as they, as it was early, uh, 20th century, right? Theodore Roosevelt and stuff. Interesting stuff. I mean, we could probably talk about history for, for a long time. Yeah. Don't be careful Uh, where you take it. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Navigate the waters very carefully, Mike. (laughs) Well, 
let's get back then to you have some days you're doing some part-time work in the oil fields you're going to college station did you fin- finish up at a&m uh i i had to drop out a semester before i finished right to, my wife was about to finish uh, vet school and uh-huh. i needed to work full-time to to support to support her yeah, yeah. and so well, that's um, a very noble cause well yeah you guys i don't want to sound like a martyr Do I, no, we, no let's make you a martyr that's no, good that's very popular these it's days. yeah i know that's why i hate it like, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we were engaged at the time and at A and M. Yeah, she did, so the A and M does have a vet school, right? Yes, yeah, it has, yeah, it's yeah. the one in Texas. Is that where you guys met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were introduced by Matt Daniels. Right? No kidding. Yeah, man, we should keep that. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he keeps popping out. That's why I won't give him too much shit. You he's know, like that guy yeah. in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like Matt, Matt Daniels, he just popped up again. <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've been really good friends for for such a long time. Yeah, and, and so that's why I was like, I gotta owe him that one for sure. Um, he, uh, the girl that he was dating for a while was mm-hmm. very good friends with, uh, with David, best friends with Devin. Oh, so, cool. Okay. So that's how we met. But, uh, but so you, you, you want to make sure she's successful and you're supportive of the career. You, is it a, sem- you said like a semester early? Couple yeah. Semesters I about, early? It was less than 20 hours for sure. Wow. You know? And so what were you doing? What do you mean? So were you doing oil fields? Is that what it was? Yeah. That- so I was, uh, well, this was actually before that. So okay. I was, I had sort of taken a break from school. Right. And I was working the oil field and I was take, like taking some part-time classes mm-hmm. and I really didn't care that much for the work. I mean, it paid okay. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah. Actually. I'm sure it pays pretty well. Um, I mean, I was, I was working in a tool shop. I wasn't working on the rigs or anything like that. It's yeah. not the, the glamorous and dangerous work, but, um, and, uh, and I got, and then the oil field started to, to decline a little bit as mm-hmm. it does. And I got, um, I was first cut layoff uh, oh, man. as the your youngest guy there. Right, right, right. And so it was fine. I, I was actually uh, liberating. Been moving. Well, it was very liberating. I'd been moving the day before uh-huh. and I'd taken the day off to finish moving. And I was so exhausted because I hadn't really slept all night. And I was like driving into work. I was like, I hate this job. Yeah. I would trade this job for the chance to sleep the rest of the day. Ring, and ring. I got I got laid off that day. <laughs> no joke. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, then. it was great. It was very yeah. serendipitous. And so two weeks later, I was working in a little um, a little bistro type place that mm-hmm. it was my first restaurant job. I, I said, oh, I, you know, what do I like doing? Maybe I can make money. I, I like I like talking to people and I yeah. like making cocktails. Were you waiting or serving? Oh, yeah, they, st- they said, we don't, you know, you don't have any bartending experience, but you could have a server job sure. if you want. And then one thing led to another and... and uh, Five months later, I was bartending at a new restaurant that uh, just opened. Ended up working of in College Station. College Station, okay. Ended up working there for four years. Did and you learn a lot over there? Yeah, I had a, I had great uh, sort of mentors, especially in wine at the mm-hmm. beginning, and, and sort of like practical bartending. I mean, it's where I really learned like bartending is not making drinks. It's so much more than that. It's being a host and, yeah. you know, and it's soft being a server skills. still. I go soft skills all yeah. the time. Yeah, and it was really it was a it was a tough learning curve for me at first to to be like you know, focused on lots of different things at once. Yeah. And it's really, really, really where I developed passion for wine. And Which is uh, because you're, so you, are you such a specialist? You hyper-focus into one thing and learn everything about that one thing? Is that what makes it difficult? Uh, well, it was just sort of like, you know, a little cockiness of being 23 <laughs> and having people reach out to you. Cause I'm a you're like, major, bitch. You're such a, yeah, well, you're such a, you know, oh, like this guy knows, like is, is geeky about cocktails. Yeah, so like, yeah. let's reach out to him to bring him on this team. And then you get on this team and you're, you know, you see it happen all over Austin with these. Oh yeah. I've made this mistake. I've made these mistakes so many times, but you see other people make them and you're like, oh, come on guy. Like you're not that special just because yeah. you know a few recipes, right, you know, like right. you're, you really need to work on the rest of it. Memori- memorization skills can be sought very yeah. easily. And I mean, yeah. I, you know, without 
you know, I don't want to be too like hard on anybody yeah, or do place, it, but it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys who end up bartending two or three years, mm-hmm. which I know I remember when you've been bartending two years, it feels like a long time. Sure. Yeah. Now that's like nine, 10 years. That seems like nothing. And it's like, yeah. does, you know, people end up, they bartend two years and they're like, oh, now it's time for me to run a program. And right. It's like, you know, and that's, that's not enough. That's not enough. Yeah, you know, it's not I mean, enough if you to did, really know. would a master is that enough for a master plumber's apprentice? I don't think so. I think it's like at least four or five years. Or right? a chef. Yeah. Or or like or a psalm or a, you know or yeah or a any carpenter any 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 trade. Yeah. You know any trade that's learned by apprenticeship. Yeah. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna two get years. it down pat in two years. Yeah. You have to spend at least four years to get an undergrad degree, which is about as cheap as they come <laughs> and it's about as useless as they come. So let's just assume <laughs> that if you want to be like a master yeah. cocktail guy, that it's or gonna even, take four years. And I don't even I I. Uh, I don't even consider myself a master by any means. Which, I mean, I, because you are always learning, of course. Exactly. It, it, you'll be on your deathbed and you'll be like, well, I still haven't really mastered branding. Right. And yeah. it's like, it's, you know, I, I, I want to be a lifelong journeyman. Exactly, exactly. like you said, you know, because yeah. that's where you, that's where you don't get to, because I've been to the place where I'm like, oh yeah, I really have this down. And then you learn how much you don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, bourbons? Well, enter mezcal. <clears throat> enter mezcal. Yeah. And then it just totally changes. Beer was a huge blind spot for me until about two years ago. And I started yeah. home brewing. Oh, and now right, it's like yeah. a huge passion for me, but I'm also like super picky and like stuck up about beer now. Right. You know, and it's yeah, like, you know, oh it's, god, you would go on and on about yeah. SGs. I just can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do yeah. that. And but so, that's the thing is though, is that you realize that there is no fast fast track to, fast track to expertise. And that's the thing I think people want to keep expediting and they they want to kind of weave around the time that they have to put into it. And it leads to a lot of butt talk. Oh, I imagine, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I th- I think and hope that like bartending as a as a serious professional, like mm-hmm. craft bartending is moving away from like enough people know the, know the reality that everybody's calling out all the butt talk. Yeah. But God, it's been such a, a bane on the... On the profession and, and on the like, sort of seriousness of it. How do you? So here's an interesting question too. Uh, Jessica was, Jessica Sanders was in the other night, and she, you know, I both agreed that if you have a terrible experience, now conversely, if you have a great experience, both of these scenarios, you should say something. You should never just let it go. Like if someone treats you poorly behind a bar, on principle, I, mean, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but it's so hard the, for most people. Well, it's so yeah. hard for most people. Yeah, most Why? people. Well, because Why they don't. So hard? Because people aren't confront. Most people are the one avoid confrontation. But confront—that's assuming that critical and positive and trying to be productive at the end of the day, like in your conversation and in your critique. That's assuming that that is somehow like a takedown, like you're trying to take someone down. But what if you're trying to make everybody better and that's what the critique Yeah, well, you have to achieves. be at a certain level to take criticism well. Very true. That because is very true. a yeah. good critic improves something. Yes. Because they, they give a constructive feedback, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad. Um, and so people who are not operating at a level where they can use criticism yeah. just get defensive about it. Sure. And so it's an if, ego thing. Pure yeah, ego, it's an man. ego thing. And if, you, if your ego is so fragile that criticism makes you defensive instead right. of introspective yeah and you're not going to deal with that well and i think that's the default mode for people and i think that that's why people can't prosper yeah because they're not willing to learn because you uh shit i think about kill bill too <laughs> when thurman comes in right and it was a pie may she comes in and she's like oh i know this style and this style she fights him for 30 seconds he's like man 
you don't know shit. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you don't know shit. And so she's humbled day after day, yeah. year after year, but then ultimately becomes a master because she allows that criticism and that humility in. Yeah, I and, uh, I watched, um, don't don't hate No, I, won't. I watched Attack of the Clones with my wife last night. For, she, we're watching all this. She's never yeah. seen Star Wars, prepare, any prepare. of them. Yeah. So we're oh, going yeah. through them so uh-huh. that she can be ready when the new one comes Attack out. Attack of the you know? Clones, I didn't hate that much. I didn't hate it that much either. Yeah, yeah. so... And it's like it's fun to watch. We watched uh, we watched Empire Strikes. Right. We watched the original one. Then we watched Empire Strikes Back. Then we watched Jedi. Attack of the Clones. We didn't watch. Oh, you yeah, didn't. Yeah, we're watch. doing. It's called Machete Order. You okay, should, okay. Everybody who hears about this should look it up. It's super machete nerdy and cool. Order? Yeah, it's really cool. What the shit does Machete have to do with it? Okay, well, it's just a like name of a guy's blog who oh, came up okay. with this. Got but it. it's the idea that you that at the end of Empire Strikes Back you get a two movie flashback about Darth Vader. Oh, I see. And then move into you skip. Phantom Menace. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, then you move. Should. Yeah, it's great. So it's fun to watch it's him great. right after yeah, that. It's, great. <laughs> it's good. No, I, <laughs> it is, man. Jar Jar is yeah, a mark, is a scar on Lucas's career. Besides that uh, huge so ass mustache. Anyway. There's this great, you know, whatever. There's like they're having this like force battle or whatever, uh-huh. and, and 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 Yoda catches a lightning and just like tucks it into the palm of his hand. And is like much to learn. You still have or whatever at the yeah, end. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. it's like yeah, like. Does, no, do you, do you and, say that to anybody? <laughs> Man, much to learn you have. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they look at you like, you really are some kind of God, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I might. But see, that would, that's, that's so funny, but that's not even like, see, that would, that would be me thinking that I had, you know, that I that knew you the were, thing. That yeah. I was the, you know, and, and, and Yoda, I think, would even probably Is there be, a Jedi to you in this oh, industry? As somebody I that couple, I look at right? as, as the Yoda? Yeah. Gosh, uh, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of people that that I respect that that definitely seem to have abilities. There's somebody who really has it all down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think Bobby Hugel comes pretty close, yeah. but he would he would protest that. Sure. For sure. Because well, it's that humility and yeah. the. I mean, he and also like he's he's you know he's also very frank about his you know whatever. Yes. About his uh, foibles, <laughs> uh, such as they are. But uh, you know and that was definitely on things. That was definitely the first person that I met face to face who was as into cocktails as I was. Were you so going back then? You were so you you're waiting. Obviously, it transitions into cocktails. Did you immerse yourself in the huge Houston scene at that time? I was. I worked in College Station for four years, mm-hmm. and then I moved uh, four and a half years, and then I moved uh, here. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. After well, so my folks live in uh, in the Houston area, and so my in-laws still or are they moved? yeah they're they're still there yeah. yeah. And um, and my in laws live in Denton, so Austin gotcha. is equally irritating Equidist- to everyone. You sure. Know? So just out of reach, out of both. Yeah. yeah. So we did that for a year and a half, and that's where my wife did an internship uh, in equine medicine. And so, mm-hmm. but Houston and College Station aren't so far away. So no, I was not there at all. a lot. Whenever Anvil first opened, I, I had been I had tried several times before to catch Bobby where he was working in other yeah. places, but the first time that we that we uh, actually got some face-to-face time at, mm. at it was at Anvil, and uh, and after like couple like several years of trying to you know of corresponding over blogs and email right, and, right. and and uh, there was a little forum called Egullet that used to be a central area before social media was such a big thing. What, what was, year is this? Oh gosh, um, I mean I'm, I'm at, yeah I mean two thousand seven, two thousand eight, yeah. two thousand nine. I mean. Anvil opened in 09, I guess. And mm-hmm. so that was the first time I met Bobby was in May. 
that year. He had been open for a little while. I was I remember this all because I was in town for to pick up a friend uh, from the airport. Yeah, who, who goes uh, on a trip every May. And uh, so I ended up going like literally showing up at the opening. Mm-hmm. And at Anvil. At Anvil. Yeah, yeah. And closing the place down. Yeah. Which time and did you arrive? Whatever they have five or four whenever so they open at the two? time. Yeah. How, how, were you able to walk out? Uh yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I've been to Anvil one time, and I barely walked out. <laughs> but it was so it was so terrific because well I think we went down to one's a meal and got a euro or something. I mean it right. was like sober up, insulate. The yeah, booze. seriously. Right. And so we ended up really. Ha- it was great to to get to meet him and and he's always been a very. He was a very gracious uh, host, of course, mm-hmm. at the time. And we really, you know, when Anvil opened, it had so much old stock that they had cleaned out of Harris County Class B's. Oh, wow. And I bet so, it was like a, a hated. Oh, yeah. It was It was like a museum. You know, but like at the time, that stuff was a little more available if you had the, if you were able to go out and get it. Right. No one knew about Nobody a lot cared. of stuff. Not just yeah, no one knew. Nobody cared. No, they didn't care. You're right. You're totally right. And so... No one cared about chartreuse till like two years ago. Nobody... Yeah. Well, I mean, that one... I don't know. I mean, <laughs> nobody still cares about chartreuse. Yeah, well, I mean, that's enough. the... You know, it's like chartreuse isn't something I even ever think of as, as making. It. Yeah. Well, they had a... So, for example, Anvil has this... I, I presume it's an old-ass bottle of Japanese whiskey, mm-hmm. thousand bottles. It's a Nika release, they I think, just, right? uh, They just did it. Yeah. On the break and it's even, like yeah. 30 years old from the 80s, something like that. Bottled in the 80s. Mm-hmm. never seen it before no one cares about japanese whiskey it wasn't a thing until just recently yeah you know i mean so is it kind of like a a bibliotheque of spirits i mean they had uh the most rad thing because because once we, once we get like on the one-on-one like nerd out thing it was yeah. like oh, let's, let's imagine. go through everything you know and so we had a lot of fun and he was very generous with with some of the more rare stuff there and uh mm-hmm. and we the thing that that sticks in my mind that I can still taste when I think about it was the uh, the old high proof Americon mm. that they had found in you know so that's a recipe that changed in the seventies or something mm-hmm. you know so it's like that's just scratching the surface. I mean there was all kinds of old whiskey. There was like weird rums and there was like they had. I mean it's almost like legendary now. They they uh, had Tanqueray Malacca. Oh, Malacca's Which was at the too. time a defunct yeah, product. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Until they and, re-released it, right? Yep. And uh, and they they more or less, so the story goes, financed the bar on selling that. No shit. Yeah, that's the story. No I mean, kidding. I haven't heard I this direct from, from him, but that's the story is that they <clears> basically, <throat> uh, they had so much of it because they had bought all they could find in Harris County because nobody it, had ever cared about it when it came out. Right. That's why it was a flop. And then they just sort of talked up let people know that it was rare mm-hmm. and then it's a cocktail bar gin was still the it spirit right. 2009 2010 2011 and i guess the rest is the history they were they yeah. were, you know financially successful at the forefront a, of it now yeah yeah exactly and you know and like you know i don't get to go to houston as much as i'd like and when i'm there I'd, sometimes i want to see a new place but like the last time i was at anvil it's still terrific hospitality's yeah, awesome it was, like, it was it's great the uh, uh, the selection is is not full of esoteric stuff as much anymore, just because people know six, about it now. Five, six, seven years ago, yeah. Now. But like, you still get there's all kinds of stuff that I've never had still. Yeah. You know? So speaking of stuff that you haven't had, I, I actually am kind of surprised because so we met. Well, actually, we met. Shit, I can't even remember now. 
We, we met by via Facebook, sort of arguing yeah. about oh, distillation. Oh shit, that's on, right. We were uh, arguing Bill about Bill Norris's oh, post Bill's or post. something. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful match made in heaven <laughs> on Bill Norris's post about bourbon or whiskey. Uh, it was about a reducer or something, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, some bullshit of which you know, if it's a, if it's at the right time for me at one to two, and I'm heavily caffeinated, I'm just going. <laughs> For totally futile, right? There's never uh, a winner yeah. on Facebook, no matter how many times you engage. Oh, it was good, though. Yeah. We had a good... I mean, I think we ended good. up in sort of a mutual agreement or yeah. understanding of the other's point, and then, and then we ended up having a, a fruitful... Uh, yeah, it was really good. It was very productive, actually. And then yeah. we... The, my One of my favorite moments so far being in Austin, I've been here 15 years now, was sitting on a panel at Whiskeys of the World tasting and judging whiskeys with you. That was fun. Because that is Lord of the Flies, right? In a sense where there's every kind of person. There's like Greg Randall's next to us, Jeff Boley, mm-hmm. which we had on the show is fucking incredible. Florian, you got like every kind of person. And I always thought I was the cynical, kind of <laughs> dead, dead, dead pessimistic guy. It's like, uh. oh, well, you know, it's not their best. And like, eh, it's like a solid C plus, you know. But I found myself humbled by how high I rated. <laughs> how how I felt grumpy like an someone asshole. could be, yeah, right? Yeah, I was like, God, Andy fucking hates everything. <laughs> Just like, you know, the only thing we agreed on. Well, two things were high rye bourbons, which I think is an amazing thing that we yeah. agreed on. The old Forrester birthday bourbon, 2015, Jesus. which was still killer, still hasn't really hit Austin yet. No. It's in Houston and stuff. I was hoping but you like, wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. Having trouble getting allocations. I'll, I'll get it. Well, no, I'll get it this week. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping I'd have it by the time. Well, I'm trying to get it for the restaurant. Oh, you'll That's, be able to get it. Yeah. Yeah. They've got enough stock and stuff this year, from what I from what I understand. But like that was, that was a situation where like, Jesus, man, you hate fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I still rated it low at the beginning. Everything you know, I was revised low. It, I, had, but I, I felt like I had to pour my soul out for you to rate I the birthday it, well, I gave it better. 93 at first, but you, yeah. know, you were right. It was more like a high 90s. Yeah, so, yeah it's a, totally. it's, there were some. In it, but, but anyway, I think it was a wonderful dynamic, a wonderful dialogue across the group. Dude, it was a lot of fun. But so, you know, every conversation I have, I love offering up a bottle and see what people pick off the off the rack downstairs. And you picked the old Fitzgerald Heaven Hill, twelve year weeded bourbon. And this is at forty five, I think. Yeah, forty five percent. So why why pick old Fitz? Not not like it requires an explanation. Yeah. But. Uh I mean honestly it's a sentimental favorite. Yeah. And uh and Your dad's name was Fitzgerald. No. Well, <laughs> I, when I first, the first job that I had when I moved to Austin, mm-hmm. uh, I just lucked into it. I was working at Jeffrey's before it was, as we said it before, yeah, it was yeah. MMH owned. In fact, they announced that to the staff my last day there. No kidding. Yeah, it was a okay. weird coincidence. And uh, I was working with uh, a really terrific bartender named Kelly O'Hare, who just moved back to Austin. And, oh, really? Yeah, expecting great things. He or she, he, I meant? He, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's he working now? Uh, he is just really just recently moved back. He's been in LA for a couple of years. Oh, okay. He was, uh, managing a bar at Eastside Showroom. Oh, very cool. Place before. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the, one of the most sort of, uh, talented guys, great friend, great bartender mm-hmm. that I've ever worked with, but he's very, he's very sort of, uh, unique. So, unique. you know, interpersonal dynamic and... Wait, uh, what is that? What does that well, mean Well, okay, exactly? like he's Prickly? the kind of guy... The first week that... So, so what happened is that someone... Uh, there were only two bartenders there at the time total. Mm-hmm. And so, when somebody's on, the other person's off, right. and vice versa. So, he had come off of four days working 
and then uh, the other bartender had uh, like a health problem or something, mm-hmm. uh, like and uh, and had and had not been able to show. Right. So then he had to work Sunday. Uh, I came and stodged Monday. He's working now sixth day, mm-hmm. and then he has to train me for several days. I imagine so he that wasn't I can too happy with that. And so, well, you know, he's just like very like. I mean, this is long shifts, 12, 14 hour shifts at yeah, that place. Yeah. And, and so this many days in a row, high volume, you know, high standards, mm-hmm. weird bar to work. New guy, a lot young. I mean, he's quite a bit older than me relatively. He's in his late thirties mm-hmm. and he is, uh, like we're closing down together, have a little nip. Yeah. And it's like, are you religious? Whoa! Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it would be. Stuck. I got a book you should read. Very Andy. confrontational, but it was that like, crazy. "Are you religious?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know you." You know, he's like, "It's okay. <laughs> Next, I'm gonna ask you who you voted for." You know, and it's like, and, you know, what's it's your all blood this type? Kind of stuff. Are you a missionary kind it's of guy? 2010, <laughs> right before the midterm elections. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. so like all the high energy, like late October 2010, yeah. like all this high high energy political unrest in the country and he's just well no he's just like very plain spoken yeah you know he's just gonna like is that a loaded question from him or he just was matter of fact about uh, it yeah it definitely felt like a loaded question (laughs) yeah i mean it was i'm gonna hate here's the thing i'm gonna hate you right now or i'm not yeah it's like you you know you could tell that yeah there's a there's a right answer and a wrong answer to this and and it was you know now it's hilarious because i know him and he's Mm -hmm. like such a good friend but at the time it was like deeply unsettling like this is my first job in a new town (laughs) and i gotta like now i'm in the big city i'm you know i'm not you know like sort of the the guy at the one right really legit restaurant and all this uh, small fish big pond kind of thing right? yeah and so i'm just like oh my god did you really (laughs) just ask me that did you answer it yeah i mean you know i was kind of like well you know here's sort of where i sit on this right so on and uh it was just really funny Oh you, yeah, I mean we're you, you have know. chosen wisely. I mean it was very like you know I I'm I'm pretty good at getting a diplomatic answer when I'm yeah, cornered yeah. I, you know and so, uh, you know I'm, I was I definitely didn't like push back as far as he but he you know I think he was kind of like you know needling me a little bit yeah of it seems like it and so he uh, someone that I worked with him for a, about a year and we've been really great he's some he's the kind of guy that you can. Uh, you can pick right up wherever you've left off with yeah, this that's great. Uh, friendship, which is really special. And and so, um, he introduced me to the uh, the bonded expression of Old Fitzgerald. Oh, and so okay. that get is at the time like nobody really was using it. Yeah, I mean it was very uh, afford. I mean it was back practically really free, expensive. like eleven bucks a bottle or yeah, something like yeah. that. In a it's, liter too, probably right. Uh, it was. I never saw it in a liter. I oh, seen it in handles and seven fifties. Okay. Yeah, but it's like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Know? No. And so it was something that, I mean, he sort of like, he's, he collect, you know, the two of you would have a lot to talk about as far yeah. as like collections. And but all he's this. back in town too. He's back Maybe in town. Maybe we yeah. will talk. Yeah. Yeah. You should. Yeah. And uh, so he, you know, he's kind of, he'll always, if he sees something he's never seen before, he'll pick up like three bottles of it. Yeah. If it's there. It's and then move. he'll like, and then he would just like bring, he's like, came over to the house one time. He's like, here's a bottle of beverage. I don't think you might like, it. you know, and so nice. it's terrific. And so like whenever I was really broke and it's like, I really like bourbon and water or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of my thing. And uh, <clears throat> some years later, we went to, uh, Debbie and I went to Chicago, mm-hmm. and we some friends that we, I used to work with in College Station were living there, and uh, we ended up at a little 
uh, divey place in uh, I think in Lincoln Park neighborhood mm-hmm. called uh, Delilah's, which is like pretty I've famous. Been, yeah, you've been. I've yeah. actually I've been to Chicago once. And I've been there. Yeah, took Malort shots there. I w- that, that's what we we actually went there trying to find Malort, uh-huh. and uh, and it's the kind of place where there's like a guy with his back to the door who's like. My wife didn't have her ID. Like she's really good at misplacing oh, it, and no. so it's like, oh god, we're gonna go to the bar. You know, we just want a Malort shot, hang out with our friends, <laughs> yeah. just to like try this stuff, see how disgusting it can be. And they're like, we heard this place like let's dog or something, let's check what? it out. And so we go over, <laughs> and the guy's like carting, and we're like, she's a doctor, you know, like this is, you know, you don't it's not come a on, like we we're promise. not we're not here to like cause trouble. And uh, and this like guy like turns around and is like. That a man, you know, it's one yeah, of those yeah, kind of yeah. things, and so we had such a great time. We like basically, I don't think we shut the place down, but we were there for a long time, oh, that's and we realized that it that oh my god, this is like a whiskey museum, and you can order everything. Yeah, and so I started working our way through all the old Fitzgeralds that they had. Oh man, and like all the old they had Heaven Hill, Heaven Hill Ten Year Bonded there, yeah, and stuff like is... that. Which I'm assuming is what they're now bottling as uh, McKenna. Yeah, I think you're you know, right. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, that's a good bottle too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so we had we had such a great time, and so I don't know, Old Fitzgerald's sort of a sentimental mm-hmm. favorite for me, and especially now that it's that it's essentially defunct. Yeah, you can't get. I mean, I had to order. I can't remember where I got this from, Georgia yeah. or some shit. But you can't get it in Texas. Yeah, anymore. and this one, then there was like the very very old Fitzgerald or something oh, like that that yeah. they had, and you know, so I'm I'm still looking for one of those bottles from the '60s, the yeah. twelve year old. According to who was it, um, Bill Samuels, I think. He says, Bill Samuels Jr., he says that the old Fitzgerald 15-year is the best bottle he's ever had. So I keep looking for one. Wow. Given well, that's, it's gonna cost people, people sing the praises of the uh, of the stuff from DSP-16 Yeah, as like... The stuff. The stuff, yeah. yeah. That's the old... Uh, the... Uh, it's a Weller. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a Weller. That was their, that was their flagship, was yeah. uh, Fitzgerald. It's like a short... A band that puts out one record that's so incredible, and then the singer kills himself. It's like joy. Div- <laughs> it's like joy division. You know what I mean? And I, this is the second time God. I'm talking about joy division. But that, I mean, that is exactly what it's like. It's like it, it somehow it's iconic because of the death of it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And that's kind of the you know. It's like I remember whenever I was given a heads up that. Someone, someone had gotten in inside info that Fitz was going away, mm-hmm. and I knew about so many, you know, tucked away one seven fives of it and yeah, everything yeah. that I was like, I just took for granted the fact that I would be able. But I didn't, I had really underestimated how popular it had gotten. Yeah, yeah. Right before they stopped making it, and I was so pissed because I, I have like three bottles or something at home, and I just like, is that enough thing. to carry me on? Yeah, I mean, I've got you know, there's not a lot of things that I've hoarded. I've got multiples of that. Mm-hmm. The old wild turkey rye, yeah, 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 in seven fifties, uh, the one hundred and one, which that's I think a, a, a greater tragic loss when it was gone than mm-hmm. than old Fitzgerald. That How do you was, feel now? It's back. Um, I never tasted them side by side. I mean, we use it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do like it, but I'm kind of grumpy at wild turkey in general over right. that whole episode. Compare, I think not that they care. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, I mean, I have I guess I have two of the AH Hirsch sixteens. Yeah, I've got one, just one. I I drank the other one. It's good. It was worth it. <laughs> it's really good. It's ninety three, like, right? That's still the 93? kind of thing. I would, whenever I got into that, I, you could still get it for eighty bucks a bottle. Yeah, you know, it's like now it's stupidly like something ridiculous, like twelve fifty. 
Yeah, twelve fifty is gray market down, normally. Yeah. yeah, or six. Ridiculous. I've seen it as high as like. 60. And I had the opportunity at the time to buy a case of it. Oh, I could have bought a case of that for like a thousand dollars. Yeah, and, twelve uh, or six. Do what? A, a six, six I could have bought a twelve pack case. Oh my god! For a thousand dollars, you could have like just bought a car with that. Oh, I could have. Yeah. yeah, I could have sold three bottles and come out ahead. Yeah, and drink oh, yeah. through it and had that rest to like hand down to whomever. But. How do you? It's hard to figure out which are the great bottles, though. And now, and now because yeah. the industry is so different, that they're kind of marketing on it being rare. Yeah, you know that it. Rare doesn't mean great. Yeah, where, old rare certainly doesn't, doesn't mean great. Certainly, or old does not. The, no. I think all the orphan barrel stuff, like God bless Diageo, but most of it's drivel. I can't. I can't yeah, it's. It. I mean, there's a reason why that barrel was passed over. Right. Probably. That's what and I said. You know, there's a re- reason it's yeah. an orphan. Yeah. You know. Some sometimes those orphans are yeah. They're just meant it's to, like there's starting fires. Nobody they're burning them. the carpet all yeah. the time. Like they beat it's up. Not the all kids. of a twist. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a charming little act <laughs> yeah. at all. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, not every barrel is destined for greatness. You no, know, at some point not. you just take that that 23 year old barrel that nobody loved and yeah. dump it into a huge mix of old crow or That's something exactly like that. Right. And it's yeah. like just cut your losses right. and go. But it, yeah, I mean, I I really feel like superlative bourbon probably hits the sweet spot around 10 years yeah and i think 12 can be can be can be great yeah i, I mean, mean some people's preferences for a woodier bourbon i like grainier bourbons yeah. in general i like that yeah that, that balance i mean that's why the craft stuff doesn't work for me because it's just a cornflakes mm. and i i can't like get into it because it's too too crunchy oh they use they use a steam flaked corn probably most of the time huh i mean like that's probably another like I buying didn't think about that for, yeah that is for so it's easier to brewing. mash yeah, yeah. Yeah, instead of using full corn kernel, mm-hmm. and then God, that's a that's a nerdy brewer sideline right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, they're using flake corn. Ah, yeah, if they were to use whole corn, like wild turkey does use whole corn, like yeah. most of the old. But guys they're use. still, I mean, they're still steaming it right before mashing it. Right? Yeah, I mean, but it's you still gelatinize it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. No, Sorry. right, but this you is... you do have to. You got to break it down a little bit more organically versus yeah. it being flaked you know but if, so, but if it's been flaked by uh by a commodities processor mm-hmm. then it's getting stale yes exactly while it's right. sitting in a sack right and it's so thin obviously yeah. it's got more air contact right. it loses all this yes so that's that's how i know you're a brewer <laughs> <laughs> well flake corn is a little bit, a little bit worse than <laughs> so what's next for you it seems like olamay is a great gig you're living in kyle it's a bit of a trek thank you uh, definitely for making that, that oh, yeah. trip over and do you want to start a place because so all right it's actually go back just a second you when did you hit austin what year are you hitting austin? um i moved to austin the first time in 2010 2010 was that fino days no uh, i Jeffrey worked days? at jeffrey's for a year and i worked at fino for about four or five months was that the bill the bill days I was after Bill. Bill after I was Bill. working with Josh. Francisco. Oh, Josh Loving. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I and then unexpectedly had a move. Uh, we moved to the Dallas area for two years. Family because stuff. Because of uh, Devney's work. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. And were you, uh, able to, were you doing it up there too? I actually. Oh, that's right. Because that's when I met. That's when I yeah. met you, quote unquote. I worked in uh, in a for a software company. Oh, really? Yeah. So a a, a really really dear friend of mine that I worked with in College Station. Uh, his wife actually hired me for my first restaurant job ever, mm-hmm. and then he was the som at uh, Veritas, where I worked for four years. Oh, cool! And uh, and really mentored me on the wine side of uh, of beverage, mm-hmm. which is now something that I love as much as anything. And uh, and so he was. It was um, 
a really cool idea that didn't really pan out, but yeah. it was a, a smartphone app that would sort of recommend wine. You think of it oh, like yeah. Pandora for wine. Sure, sure. So you tell it what you like. I've heard that before, actually, many and times. Like, yeah, I mean, it's... Pandora it's a, for beer, Pandora for very, spirits and stuff. It's oversimplified, and it also is more complicated than sure. what it is, but it's the easiest way to explain it without going... Well, it makes sense. Getting people too excited about a product that's defunct. Now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would have been really cool. I did that for on and off for a, a, almost two years year and a half something yeah. like that and with a couple of stents i worked uh bar smith for a little that's while that's right that's yeah. the one i remember was it like midnight cowboy uh superficially superficially i mean it had an obscured entrance and yeah. reservation model and things like that it was, was that a in, good place to work i remember oh, it was a lot of fun i mean it was sort of it burned bright and and burned out and very uh, quickly right yeah and and it was sort of like some politics with the, sure. with the management yeah i heard about and, that yeah it was it was but unfortunate josh, was work, josh hendrix was working there yeah right? yeah i worked Good with guy. him and, yeah. and omar who's with 86 co now mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and mate artai who's uh, does the ice thing up in dallas made by a really great crew and ryan yeah. sumner is down in he's, a, he's in LA. la now he's in la yeah. i didn't realize he moved out there he yeah really great crew really solid crew you two will don't want to leave anybody out yeah and uh and Mike it's like Martin's the Academy thing. Awards speech. Was he, I'm not yeah, playing he you off yet. Yeah, I was like, eh, it was a really small crew. It shouldn't be, <laughs> it shouldn't be hard to catch everybody. And then uh, Michael Martinson was the, yeah. the, the mastermind, so to speak. And uh, Was that a good experience for you? Did it help you learn? Yeah, well, it was It was really fortuitous. Um, and I you know, I just sort of like have dumb lucked into a lot of great experiences. Um, I literally was called on like a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, something like that, and told that the company, like at the end of it's September, done, right? I was told that the company would not exist on October first. Jesus. And so I had like less than a week's notice to find another job, and I. And Devony was still doing her. Gig. She was working. Yeah. yeah, she was working a great job, but it's still like, you know, it's, you 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 live with two incomes. You need two incomes. You know, right. it's yeah, like yeah. <clears throat> I had uh, I reached out to 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 Bill and to mm-hmm. Jay, um, you know, who's guys who who've always done right by me who, yeah. who i who i really oh bill is a huge appreciate yeah. as friends and 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 colleagues and so forth and anyways and so i had a um one thing led to another i had a job lined up by friday oh that's killer so i so at, i never at, you know, i never had a gap no this was at at smith oh, oh i had already oh, worked gotcha, at Fino gotcha, gotcha, by gotcha, then. Okay. i mean you know so i had already worked at fino before then right. this is in dallas mm-hmm. and so i worked there and then i <clears> helped <throat> open a, a play a restaurant uh, right before we moved back here I kind of bounced around a lot last year uh, before I ended up at Olame, which yeah. has been a really good fit. But I mean, as far as like my own place or something like, I mean, yeah, I, man, I, I do like not we're... come from a line of risk takers. Yeah, and I love working for other people. Let them do it. Who can who can come up with money and and, and do the legwork, right? And, you know, and and take the consequences if things don't work out. Well, you know, which is <laughs> you're the guy that's like you guys or the first wave into the war. I like heard it. You know, it's a weird thing to, to like refer back to, but it's what I think about a lot is, mm-hmm. um, I heard an interview on, on public radio years ago with the founder of Spanx, like the, Spanx, the uh-huh. foundation right. garments, yeah, yeah. whatever. Foundation. The, you, the, you are so polite. <laughs> <laughs> you mean those stretchy things those that look like underwear. things that, that suck your gut in up. for you. Yeah, yeah man, it's there the you thing. go. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the lady who, who, <laughs> Why are you not in PR? <laughs> so the lady who who's 
whose idea this was, mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, they were like, you're not the CEO. You're just the president or something like that. And she's like, well, I don't think I would be good at that. Mm-hmm. So I, and basically her point was, I don't have the vanity that I have to be in charge all the time because yeah. I don't think I'd be good at that. And that's why I feel about this business. Not to say that like everybody who owns, opens a place is, is vain by any means. Right. Some people, no, just, yeah. that's what they, that's what they think is best for them or, or they the actually, step, right? or they have yeah. something to, to, to do. Like yeah. they have something, a project that needs to be done that nobody else is going to do. And sometimes mm-hmm. I, I have ideas like that and I think, oh, I'll put that one in the back pocket. Yeah. You know, but it's like, it's sort of a last resort. If you ever see me, Opening my own place. Yeah. You I'll go will, in. You will know that I have run out of other options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the last I just, I had, I, like, I had to franchise a Quiznos. That's yeah, I, yeah, to yeah. It's going to Quiznos with a really killer bourbon selection, though. I tell you. <laughs> Booze knows or not. That's not bad. That's not a bad yeah. name. I mean, you could do a lot worse. I, you yeah. know, and sometimes I come up with like, I mean, most, uh, I'm not a, I definitely would never open a, a restaurant, yeah. you know, because I think those are way too risky and, and well, too, it's hard on your marriage, a lot of work. Of, yeah. yeah. A lot. I mean, the, the whole industry is, I mean, this yeah. is God bless all the, and I, I call, I call them the bar widows, you know, all the, mm. all the wives who, and girlfriends who deal with and boyfriends, you know, or whatever sure. else, yeah, but like everything. all the SOs who deal with a lot of nights with Netflix and not chill. Yeah. Not it's not chill not chill. Netflix. It's just Netflix. Yeah. And a dog or something, you know, and it's like Do you uh, ever worry about that? Oh that, that you mean, can't rein it in and I mean we've had I had two years almost where I worked uh at home and, and had nights and that was really nice. Yeah. But it's like, you know, Devony's very understanding and you know, and her and there's been times in her career where You've been understanding seemingly moving yeah, to Dallas, I mean, for example. She, yeah. yeah, and also whenever she was working in Elgin it was 80 to 100 hour weeks yeah we could only she had off two days out of every 14 God. and it was like Rough. it was brutal and and all that to make less than i made yeah. bartending um so you know it is it is what it is and we're all very realistic i yeah. think about about how that works out it's um, and at least when you get home it's you it's y'all's place you yeah. know what i mean like that you have this this home yeah and i get you know and right now i get um you know basically Two to three days a week off which is nice yeah. and um and we have some overlapping time off and and you know it's, you know whatever it works out for us mm-hmm. um it definitely it seems would be strong nice. man i can just see when you look at her it's like <laughs> now he, still, he loves her a lot like I, I see some other couples like man who's gonna end up on dateline first <laughs> you know <laughs> The tarp. <laughs> the tarp. Yeah. It's, it's well, tarp. he went out one night and bought a tarp and a shovel. That was about the end bunch of it, of right? Bungee there. cords. A yeah. bunch of bungee cords. It's well, it's uh yeah. My own play I don't know. What I what I kinda wanna do is find the, the person that whose vision I believe in, who I mm-hmm. think I can help their vision be be better. Right. And that are in that like what I what I think of as as how beverage service should be mm-hmm. meshes with their idea of of what something else should be, whether that means like food or right. you know or or whatever it might you know you're a so. great cinematographer yeah maybe you know yeah. it's so that you know the idea you know i don't i definitely i don't think i'd be good at running a place by myself you no. know like an entire bar restaurant or whatever it's i don't think it's my strength but yeah. like you know as we've just proven i can i can just stand in front of some people and talk about stuff for a while. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's all it takes andy yeah well i mean that's what that's what train you know if you if you have the experience and then knowledge and sort of a little bit of organization you can mm-hmm. train people yeah you know that's something i really love doing is training i've, I've had great trainers 
you know that I've benefited from and yeah and uh, it's something I enjoy doing a lot well I I think that in a sense I feel like you're the yin to my yang or flip that where <laughs> I thought I was like I said I thought I was cynical I thought I was pessimistic and I'm not saying you're that way but I think that it's how critical you are in such a positive way that encourages better better things i think that that's a great counterbalance for me so thank you so much for driving all the way from Kyle to kind of chat and i i want to compliment you and thank you so much for bringing in a massive fucking bottle of old charter 10 (laughs) (laughs) that i have to take a you will see this picture it just it it towers over the little stubby old fitz (laughs) bottle that the old charter is like i win this one (laughs) so thanks again man for of course thank you a lot of fun well, there you go, folks. What do you think? Andy's a really, really nice guy, isn't he? A loving husband, a brainiac. He likes to get his hands dirty. He brought a bottle of not Old Charter 10, as I said, but an Old Charter 12 from Louisville, 1.75 liters. He's obviously very generous as well. So it was a great conversation with him. I can't tell you to get to Olamay fast enough, if not only for the biscuits, but for every other amazingly executed piece of food that I've had there. I can't wait to get back. And I can't wait to have another cocktail with Andy. So thanks so much for tuning into Show to V with Mike G. And please keep dancing. <laughs> <laughs>